Welcome to the Ransom Tart Podcast. I'm Alan Arnold, and it's the week of December 16th. And yes, the whirlwind of the holiday season is upon us. Now, if you're like most people, you could probably benefit from some soul care about now. And friends, I've got good news for you. John Eldridge has written a new book called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. Now, the book's not out until February 2020, but the great news is you can receive right now advanced content from the book. When you pre-order the book, and I'll tell you how to do that, you'll immediately receive audio, video, and print gifts from us that include content from the book. Probably my favorite of the bonus content is a two-part audio series that John and Stacey Eldridge recorded specifically as an offering during this time of year, and it's called Get Your Life Back During the Holidays. It's going to be a rescue, I believe, for so many listeners who are caught in the busyness of this season. There's also a one-hour video of John teaching on benevolent detachment. That's one of the practices in the book, and in this video, he reveals how to release everyone and everything to God. Now, to pre-order the book and to get the bonus content, all you have to do is go to johneldridge.com, and there'll be directions on how to purchase the book from your favorite retailer and how to receive this bonus content. So friends, check it out at johneldridge.com. And now, in today's podcast, we have John and Stacey Eldridge talking about the deeper meaning of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart podcast. That was my wife, Stacy, reading to you. One of the great portions of the Christmas narrative here in the third week of Advent. So whenever it is that you're listening to us here this week, we wanted to share with you some Christmassy thoughts. (laughs) And as Stacey and I were just sitting at dinner last night, I asked her, what what Christmas stories kind of caught your attention and, and why? And You chose the shepherds, but I haven't heard why. I'd love to tell you why. Listening to that story, 
there's a couple of things that I would love to highlight, even if you listen to it again, as you go back and read it in your personal study, is the truth that the crib and the cross are eternally connected. And that this story is a very personal and intimate story for each one of us. Whoa. Okay. Uh, why? Actually, for a few things. One is just looking at the shepherds' lives themselves. I think everyone is familiar with the truth that they were the lowliest of the low on the social ladder. They didn't go into the census to be counted because they didn't count. And they are outside of the city. They are out in the fields. They are smelly. They are lowly. They are looked down upon. They used to be highly esteemed back like in David's day. Yeah. But that had gone downhill. And so these are, these are the lowliest of the low. These are the unwanted. These are the dirty. These are the unseen. These are the ones for whom Jesus came. So this is slave labor. This is migrant workers. These are... Except that they have their one place. And, oh, there's so many cool things about this story. And one of the things is that where they are, shepherds, they are raising the sheep that are going to be used for the sacrifice in nearby Jerusalem. You can see Jerusalem from Bethlehem. It's, it's right there. Oh, wow. So all, all that stuff is going on. And so there is the wonder of why did the angels appear to them? Well, because Jesus came for all of us, the highest to the low, the most esteemed and the most despised. And I love this sentence where it says, let me find the sentence. Here it is in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Mm. to you. So there's the intimate. It's, he's for us. He's not just for the shepherds. He's to you. We get to take that in. And you know that shepherds are, are on the alert for predators. They're, they're awake. Some of them are awake. All the times they're on the alert, they're waiting and they're watching in the quiet. And so to me, it reminds me of the invitation that we are waiting and we are watching not only for the Lord's imminent return, but for in the moment for him to come and speak to us that we might hear him. The other thing I love about these shepherds is that as soon as they hear the news, it says they hurried off. They didn't amble. They hurried off. They go, whoa, whoa let's see if this is true. And hmm. so how beautiful that you hear the word of the Lord and you take it into you personally, and then you hurry off to follow it. As soon as they find the baby in the manger, they worship him. They adore him. They take the revelation. They make it known. They make it personal. And it's, it's, it's a story for all of us. That's why I love it so much. Mm, that's so good. There's so much in the Christmas story that has become too familiar right. over the years. And yet, I didn't know those things about that. I didn't know you, you yes. could see Jerusalem from Bethlehem. Yes. Like, that's just right there. It's right there. It's like six or seven miles away. And, yeah. And that I didn't know that they had shrunk to such low status either because David, you know, being the shepherd, kind of has highlighted that role for right. all time. Right. right. And, and then Jesus highlights it for all time. Yeah. Because these are, these are the shepherds, and he announces himself as the good shepherd. You know, I would love, well, we're going to get this in the kingdom, but I would love a movie that was totally free from religion and religious drapery, giving us the story again, because it's so earthy. Oh, it is so earthy. And, and gritty. And I mean, this is all taking place 
in the middle of the night. Nobody else is up, right? Right. I mean, angels, right? Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, I can hear Handel's Messiah as the angels are, you know, visiting the shepherds. And yet nobody else got to see that. I know. And then they run off in the dark to Bethlehem in the dark. Yeah, searching. Trying to find this manger Mm -hmm. where this... Where the Savior is. Yes. Isn't it's, it beautiful? Oh, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And I know that we could say, well, look, if an angel appears to me and then a multitude of angels appears to me, well, I'm going to go, man. That's that's something. And, and yes, we would. We would fall down. They would have to tell us to not be afraid. Yeah. But Jesus is coming for us every day, every moment. Mm. And for us to be on the alert, waiting, watching. And then, and just pray for the eyes to see him, mm-hmm. that we might respond, that we might hurry off mm-hmm. to worship mm-hmm. this Lord. I like that. I like asking Jesus, where, where am I to look for you this Christmas? Oh, that's a good question. Right? Because they were given some guidance. They were saying, here's the sign. Yeah. You're going to find. Right. Right. That you're going to find a mother. You're going to find a family. You're going to be in a barn somewhere because mm-hmm. there's a manger, mm-hmm. not a hotel room. And you're going to find him wrapped, right, in yes. swaddling cloths and yes. lying in a manger. So they had some direction. But then they had to go look. Exactly. Right? He didn't say go to 122, you know, Bethlehem Court. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I'm just fascinated by the way God gets things done. I just... The Christmas story is so disruptive. I think because I believe that God is absolutely sovereign and the creator of all things, because he is like enormously good and powerful, I just expect it to be a little more linear, straightforward, right? Here's the Messiah. Let's get this thing done. Yeah, not this meandering, wandering creative why why would you do it like that why like that yeah Yeah. so much mystery speaking of mystery and speaking of wandering the combined story of the magi which were you know quote from the east so iraq iran you know persia turkey turkey zoroastrian yes by religion, and yet they get the star? Mm-hmm. And they, because they were waiting and watching. They were on the alert. They get the star. Now go follow this star for a very long time, over hill and over dale. Do they have any idea how long that was? Well, I've, I've heard anywhere from months to a year. Wow. That, that their journey took from when the star would have appeared. Anyway, the point being it wasn't quick. Yeah. And they have to get on their camels and take this journey. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite poems by T.S. Eliot is about the, the Magi. But we won't go there right now. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them 
where the Christ, or the Messiah, was to be born, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. But this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Like all this dreaming that goes on, Mm -hmm. the visitation of angels, dreams in the night, a lot of stuff taking place under the cover of darkness. Yes. The shepherds come. Hiddenness. Can't follow a star unless it's nighttime. So the magi are coming at night. Uh Like all this cloak and dagger. Yes, yes. Right? And then I referred to this in last week's podcast, but I want to come back to it because the very next verse is, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Like, this is out of Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is out of a Jason Uh, Bourne movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. This this is intense Mm -hmm. drama, Mm -hmm. high stakes, terrible bloodshed, intrigue, darkness. Quick, get up. Grab a few things. Mm-hmm. Stuff They're a, on their way. Stuff Go. a bag. Go now. Yeah. You're, you're leaving now yeah. in the middle of the night again mm-hmm. under cover of darkness, and you're going to go down. Oh, wait, that's a long way. So you're yeah, going to go is. down to Egypt mm-hmm. through the desert. You're going to hide down there, right, south yeah. of the border until it's okay for you to come back. Where an angel has to tell him again, yeah. right? Right. An angel comes and tells him again, it's okay. And you want to go, wait, you are the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. You create galaxies. You uphold more than 400 billion billion suns, like suns, like our sun, stars. And you go, this is how you go about this? It's so... 
I don't know. It's really, it's really disruptive, I think, in very holy ways, but it's super disruptive. It doesn't seem like how we would do it, right? It's certainly not how he could have done it. Right? Like yeah. I was saying last week to Alan in the podcast, I'm like, just take Herod out. Send an angel to take him out. I mean, one angel in, in Second Kings destroys the entire Assyrian army. Like, one guy, send an angel, take Herod out. There goes your problems. Let baby Jesus grow up. Let the child, the boy Jesus, grow up in, in a calm neighborhood. And then, you know, like right. there's so many different ways. There are. And yet you know that God wastes nothing. That, that he is in that and has stuff for us to learn about our own lives in that story. When you think about the God of all creation shrinking his stature to become a baby, then he lives within the confines of the world that he created so that, so that he doesn't do that. I mean, why not? What is he teaching us about our life and our walk with him so that we know it's not this linear thing. It's a journey. There's lessons in the journey. Okay, here's one. So Ransomed Heart turns 20 this, this month. <laughs> uh, next week, I, wow. actually, I think technically is when we incorporated in. That'd be um, 1999. That's when we incorporated in 1999. And, and yet the circuitous route to get here. You and I had a sense Way back early in our marriage, 36 years ago, we had a sense of a call of God on our lives. Mm -hmm. We had a vision. We had something. There was something brewing, but it didn't go in a linear, in a straight line to get here. It sure didn't. We had our exile. We Mm -hmm. had our wandering in the desert. Mm -hmm. You know. Our honing, his his reshaping of what he was calling us into. Right. Honing us. Honing us big time. Honing the vision. Mm-hmm. And also it, some things just take time. And so part of what I learned from this is I want things to be more direct. I want it to be straightforward. But even in the salvation story, this is the invasion of the kingdom of God. This is it. This is heaven's move. Yeah. This is their play. <laughs> This is the Son of God, mm-hmm. the incarnation. This is the whole thing the enemy did not expect. You go, Magi? In the darkness? It took him a year to get there? What? And, and shepherds in the field, and that's also at night, and then it's dreams, and the Magi are warned in a dream, don't go tell Herod, so they sneak out of the country. Then Joseph sneaks out of the country. Like, do you... Like, it's crazy. It is. It is so filled with tension and drama. And intrigue. And intrigue. And just not, it's not like this clean, simple, bump a bum I am the Lord God Almighty, and here is my plan for salvation. You know, it's, it's not even close to that. It, it, it is a lot like what most people's lives look like. Right. Right. It's not the straight, clear line to the desire or the dream or the fulfillment at all. And I, I just think that's huge. Christmas, Christmas is a really healthy reminder for me of the way our very personal God goes about getting things done in the world. And I, I mean, I'm just like, so this story pops into my mind. C.S. Lewis told a story once in, in his book on prayer where he— Suddenly one day he just felt that he needed a haircut 
And so he got up, went to his barber, and while his barber was cutting his hair, his barber revealed that he and his family were in dire financial need, and Lewis had the wherewithal to help them. Mm. So God is going to get help to the family of the barber, but what he does it through is a haircut for a bachelor Oxford professor who's suddenly prompted in the afternoon to go get a haircut. Oh, I love him. I know. Like, there's, yeah. Anyway, I think it'll really help people um, to rethink some of their assumptions about the way God works in the world, um, re-looking at the Christmas story again. It's really true. And that he writes really great stories. Because this is the number one story. Yes. This isn't a side story. You know, this isn't kind of one of those weird, wait, they took the ark down to the to the temple of, of Dagog or whatever that guy's name was, and the, and the statue fell over and burst. And I mean, there's a lot of weird stories in the Old Testament that are kind of side stories, right? But then this is the center story. This is it. And it's so filled with drama and tension and the indirect approach, and angels, and dreams, and darkness, and night, and south of the border. Wow. And isn't that the way the entire story unfolds? The narrative of God, Mm. that the Son of God would be crucified? Mm. Yes. And here again, outside the city, this is why the shepherds come back into my mind again, because they lived outside the city. Mm. They were unimportant. They're crucified outside the city. Mm for the people who do not matter. Yeah. And he who matters most. Oh, yeah. Before we go, a few things about Christmas. Christmas for most people is messy, which you can now understand from the story itself is messy, <laughs> right? And there are wiser ways of navigating it and less wise ways of navigating it. Yes. So we thought we'd just give you a couple loving pieces of counsel. You know, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's nine days away or wherever you're catching this up, it might be two days away now. But a few things we've learned over the years. First, consecrate, consecrate your Christmas. If it involves travel, consecrate your drive, your car, the drive time, you're flying, consecrate your travel, by which we mean we bring this trip under the authority and the dominion of Jesus. We bring it into the kingdom, authority, and jurisdiction of Jesus. We consecrate this to you, God. Consecrate the holiday itself. Consecrate. If you're having a gathering, if you're hosting a Christmas Eve service, by all means, consecrate these things. Because I I have found that in the whole calendar of the year, and again, I don't know why this surprises me, but here's how this, okay, I'll finish my thought, and then I'll finish the other thought that was about to clog the first thought out. I don't know why this is, but of the entire year, Christmas and Easter, and the joys built around them, whether it's a picnic or a family get-together or a church service that you're just so looking forward to or whatever is the most warfare-opposed thing of the whole year. And I used to just get really mad at that. I'm like, come on, like, this is our night. This is our deal. This is our day. This is, you know. But then I understood, oh, of course, the enemy hates Christmas. 
He hates Easter. He hates our joy around it. He hates the whole story and any celebration of the story in any form. Right. Okay, back to the narrative. So the narrative should have told me that. Oh, right. The narrative should have told me, John, the enemy hates this. You know, the massacre of the innocents. I mean, we're talking genocide here. This is an absolutely bloody, horrible story. Heads up. Don't be naive about this. Treat it with respect and the prayer that it deserves. And so consecrate it. Consecrate your gatherings. Consecrate your home. If Christmas morning is a thing that you do with your family or your kids, consecrate it. Yes. Pray over it. Bring it under the rule of mm-hmm. Jesus. You know, bring the fire love of God down all around it. Mm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Consecrate yourself. Or? Consecrate your emotions and consecrate your expectations. Something that I've learned the hard way, and I, and I am learning, I'm in, in the process of learning it, is the fact that I put a ton of pressure on the day and a ton of pressure, therefore, on the people that I love. Yeah. I want them to behave a certain way. I want them to react to with the present a certain way. I want them to get along with each other. Right. I don't want any arguments or none of this, that, or the other thing. It's like sit up straight and behave yourself. And, oh, gosh, it has, it has had a negative effect. Well, pressure kills. Pressure kills. And then comes the other piece of they don't want the present more than they want my presence. Mm. And, and so to be present means that I have to consecrate myself to God. I need to be centered. I, I can't ignore my own personal prayer, particularly on days of these gatherings, mm. and just mm. rush into the day. I, ne- I need to lean into the presence of God. I mm. need to yield to Him within me so that He might live through me. And I, I can love because in the end, that's what matters. Mm. Mm. Love. Yeah. Love matters. Okay, so with that, we found it helpful to ask Jesus for some words going into the holidays. Yes. Like, if you're traveling to visit family, Jesus, what do I need to know going into this? What do I need to be heads up to? What's booby-trapped? And he, he, might just, he might just give you one word. He might just say, forgive. Ooh, that is a big word. But, but that is going to be your rescue. Yes. So you're going to forgive before you go. Oh, yes. And then you're going to forgive during it. Yes. And then you're going to forgive when you leave. Like, and that will be your rescue. Yeah. Or, or he might say something else. He, he might give you a completely different set of counsel. But ask him. Ask him for his guidance, including everything that should you do everything you've planned to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, some friends just, just last week were going to host a, an Advent gathering at at their home, but they were exhausted and they were peopled out and they stopped and they asked Jesus and Jesus said, no, cancel tonight. And it felt so contrary to, no, 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 this is what we do. But it was a rescue and it's okay. People can live with that, like following Jesus through the holidays, just like the intrigue of the story. Yes. Right. The story took this intimate navigation, dreams in the night, stars to guide, counsel, direction, turn here, now turn here, and now avoid this, right? Yes. Because it is a story that's filled with cost and love, and it's filled with glory and darkness. It's very, very, very much like the current moment that we live in on the earth, mm. 
right? So yes. let's let's let the Christmas story inform ours. Yes. And the way we're interpreting things and looking to God. And I think the last thing I want to say um, today is it's just a day, friends. In the end, there's only 24 hours in it like every other day of the year. There's a morning, there's an afternoon, there's an evening, and there's a night, and then that's it. And for those of you who are already expecting to be disappointed by it, it's helpful to remind yourself it's just a day. And for those of you that are putting all kinds of expectations on it, it's, it's just a day. It's just a day. Because the magic is, as you take the pressure off, you actually really can find joy in it. Yes. I think the last thing that I'd like to say is to remember what the angel said to the shepherds. The Son of God has been born for you. Mm. For you. And that means, as you're listening to this today, whatever day this is, Mm. he's coming for you. So to have your eyes opened, and I pray that they would be opened to him coming for you and the gifts he has for you in this moment and in the days preceding Christmas and in the day of and Mm. in the days Mm. after. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. We pray those blessings for you this week, friends, and we pray Jesus does counsel and guide you through this very dangerous hour on the earth and this very exciting time into the joy and the beauty that he has for you.